Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Ruben Patel from Patient Plus. We're going to learn about some healthcare, some getting started at an older age that some entrepreneurs may be too fearful to, and just all about good Baton Rouge business. So, Ruben, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. Welcome. Patrick, thank you for that, uh, I guess, nice introduction, <laughs> saying I'm an older entrepreneur, but... Uh, Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm glad you, to be here. When when you think about someone in a startup scene, right? The general theme is somebody younger in their garage getting started because if they're in their nine to five for so long, it's like why leave, right? But clearly, there's a reason to leave, as you've shown. I think it's going to be a very valuable reason, and also the the statement of you're never too old to get started with yeah, something brand new. I agree with that. Um, I, I think where the itch came from was my dad left his nine to five civil engineering job when he was 44 and started our first hotel. Okay. And from that, it grew into six hotels. Now, my brother's still managing and running those hotels with the, with the wives, but uh, uh, his wife and my wife, not his multiple wives. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> clarification. Right, clarification. <laughs> um so I think that's where the motivation came. And when I was in my, you know, got to 40, 41, I was like, okay, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And exactly. I'm going to be in this job the rest of my life. And was I ready for that? I, I just, I, I, I think I needed to do something new. Right. When it's, when you're turning 40, people may have on their horizon, the 55, 60 mark close to retirement. So why get something started? But in reality, 40 is so young. Like you're not even, if you live to 95, you're not even halfway through your life. So you've got that whole 40 years that you just lived ahead of you, but you've got all those 40 years of experience under your belt. Well, and I, I would agree with that because um, you're pretty young, so you're probably not like me. And I didn't get married till I was 35, 36. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my first kid till 37. And then I had my last kid when I was 44. So really, really everything has started later in life for me. So, Which is okay. Yeah, and I'm still feel young, except when I wake up in the morning and my <laughs> knee or my back hurts. I have to figure out which body part's going to hurt. And that first step is usually the one that tells me. Otherwise, I feel feel quite young. Yeah, which is, which is awesome. And so what we're here to talk about today is Patient Plus and your background with it, getting started. So for those listening who maybe have seen the signs, seen the fuzzy orange guy, what is Patient Plus? Patient Plus is an urgent care. Uh, we started that urgent care. Actually, we just hit our five-year anniversary, so woohoo! Congratulations. Thank you, and we'll toast on that. Cheers to that. On January 4, 2016, we started our Mid-City Clinic. And in November of that year, we had Patient Plus Bocage. Uh, August of 2017 was our South Downs Clinic, which is quite right down the road from Uncle Earl's here. Um in 2000, the next one was Delmont, and that was in 2018. And then last year, actually, that was in 2019, in March, in February, March of 2019. And then back-to-back -back openings were Prairieville in November of 2019 and Delmont, I mean, sorry, Broadmoor in December of 2019. So six clinics in five years, major growth there. Um, real happy about it. And um, this has been a... You know, the uh, the Patient Plus story is I was uh, with an urgent care um, before I left to start my own company. I was um, working for one of the major medical um, conglomerates in Baton Rouge. And um, 
I just felt like I needed to do something more. Um, I wanted to make my own decisions. You know, I, I felt like I couldn't make my own decisions with my staff. I couldn't. And the main thing I couldn't really make decisions were, were about marketing. Right. And I think I wanted to do marketing. And as you guys, as, as if anyone knows the Patient Plus brand, you know, not only do we uh, do a good job with our advertising and marketing, but branding. You know, we have our mascot, Bebo, and we love to do commercials with him. So, you know, I think uh, that's what we've really concentrated on in the first couple of years is branding, getting our name out there and our our reputation to try to be the best urgent care in Baton Rouge. So, right. and I feel like we've done that. We've gotten that message out there. Yeah, of course. I mean, and you've got bright colors as well. You know, with marketing, you want something that's going to pop, something that someone's going to see on whether a billboard or in digital advertisement. They see it and it attracts them because of how bright it is. What, I mean, why a little, what's, what's his name? Bebo? Bebo. Bebo. What, so, what's the story behind Bebo? So before you even get to Bebo, you know, Bebo is orange. So why did we pick the letter, you know, the color orange? I had a very smart entrepreneur in town um, that I, I get a lot of advice from. And he goes, Ruben, pick a color in this town that no one owns and own it. So, you know, going around this town, everyone has purple, everyone has gold. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the major medical players in town all are blue. So I decided, um, you know what, let's let's try orange. And I even looked, you know, looked up what colors meant. And when I looked up orange, there was uh there was a, a word that said urgent in it. So I said urgent, orange, urgent care, that's gonna work out perfect. So and you know, we we took that color, owned it. And now, you know, when, when people see that orange in, uh, or they talk about me, they identify that color with me. So right. next up, uh, we had a marketing director at the time, Ellie Thurman, and uh, we used a company called Tilt, and they came up with the idea of Bebo. Again, I was probably on the fence with it thinking, you know, <laughs> hey, not, you know, we're a professional company. We don't want to look right. childish. But again, take ownership of something. And 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 see if it can work. And if, if yeah. you if you if you like it and enjoy it, you you can make it work. And that's how Bebo has now come about. And well, now he you know he's in our radio ads, he's in our commercials, TV commercials. So, and now I'm I get calls, you know, and not weekly, but at least once or twice a month. Like, hey, my kid really loves your puppet. <laughs> or your mascot. What's his name? And I'll tell him Bebo. And look, hey, Facebook Live, plushies are coming. We're, we're actually plushies. getting the first model. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get those plushies out. And if your kids want them, let us know. And we'll try to get your, your kid one of those. Okay. So on that, when is it a right point in the brand's career to start doing something like merch? Like when do you feel it right? I mean, A, you're an urgent clinic. So right. it's like, in what world do you see like, people giving out plush dolls, but clearly it's an idea that is settled within and saying, okay, this is going to be a good idea. We think it's going to be a hit. What's the process behind that thought? I tell you what, I, I think once you feel like you have name recognition, once you have your brand in your, in your city, in your state, I think that's the time to, to look at merchandising. We're not looking at merchandising by far, you know, uh, we, uh, the, the concept came from, my idea was I wanted to give these out at Christmas time. Gotcha. So, you know, kids come in. What can we give them at around Christmas time? Here's a little gift from Patient Plus. So that's where the concept came in. Also now with us doing, um, you know, sponsorship at events like Touch a Truck 
or at school events, we feel like if we can have these plushies, it's something to give besides a sticker, besides a cup, besides something that they can really feel like they can be a part of. Yeah, and it goes back to that whole owning your brand. Correct. You know, if you're going to go and have a, a puppet, you know, and say, hey, this is who we are, this is what we're using for our branding, let's take it one step further and just solidify this is who we are, this is what we do, orange everywhere, and just really owning the brand, I think, is something that people can do within whatever business it may be. And like you said, people may see it as silly, but if you own it and you make it known that this is who you are, people will have to look past that and say, no, they're really doing some really great work here. I agree with everything you're saying there. So, you know, um, we started off Bebo very small with some kind of Facebook posts. And um, from there, we decided, you know, we got a real great feedback, a lot of positive feedback. At that point, we're like, okay, let's do a commercial. And then the commercials, if you've seen them, they're kind of more funny commercials. He's doing crazy stuff. You know, it's like his leg is broken, but when it's broken, it's kind of pointed in the wrong direction. Or if he has sore throat, strep throat, he's got a party going on in his mouth. Or, And, you know, we even take it to the next point to where even on our, um, even on our um, poster boards or um, digi- digital boards, we'll have him doing some funky stuff, so. Yeah, we we like to have fun with it. That's the whole point. It's not it's he's not supposed to be a serious, um, you know, medicine is always seen as serious. But if we can make if we can have fun with it, then maybe people will take a little bit less. They they feel like they can go to the doctor. They can go to patient plus and and feel like they're not going to be cooped up in uh, in in the stuffy environment that you usually have at medical Absolutely. places. It's it's breaking that barrier of the fear of going to the doctor. You know, people have a huge fear of doctors, dentists, anything medical involving your own body. I'm sure there's some stats somewhere that shows the ratio of people that are afraid of that. And I think making things fun and making things lighthearted can just attract people to say, "Okay, if I go there, I know they're going to be a relaxed atmosphere." And they're not going to walk in. The doctor's not going to be, okay, you know, Sally, what you got going on today? Oh, so sorry to hear about that. Moving on. You're going to walk in, get a lighthearted character. You're going to get somebody who really cares about and is able to put away the poise and absolute professionalism all the time and say, hey, I'm a person. You're a person. Let's chat. And, you know, Patrick, um, that's how we've tried to design our clinics. We've tried to be very open concept, very transparent with our with, with our clinics. When you come in, the first thing you see at the reception desk is that it's it's tall. And the reason we have that is because I want our people to stand up and greet everybody with a with a hello. You know, how many times have you gone to a clinic and they're all sitting down like this and they're look off their phone or looking up with the computer and they're like, hey, instead, <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's a personal greeting. A greeting right. is when you stand up. And unlike in these COVID days where you can shake a hand, it's where you can stand up and greet someone and say hello to them. So that's the first part. The second part to that is if you look behind the front desk person, there's a glass. And the glass you can see through. And you can see through and see what's going on, right, Uh, in the back. Right now, when you go to a clinic, the first thing you get into is a boxed area, your your waiting area. You're a bunch of people, and you can't you don't you just sit hanging out. And then when you go into the back, you go into another room where it's all boxed in, and there's no windows, and you're just like, oh man, and you're all cooped up, and you're just, you know, with us. That first part is when you walk in, you get that warm greeting. You look behind you, you can see what's going on in the background, and then when you get called in, you go to your room, and that room also has a window. 
on the outside, you know, where, but it's kind of high. You have to be Shaquille O'Neal, like to say, to see <laughs> through it uh, for a peep in time. But it allows natural light to come in. Right. Also, the door, the exam room door has a window, huge window. So you can see what's going on and it's, it's the nurse's station you're looking at. So you can see what we're doing, seeing if we're goofing off, seeing if we're not busy. And it's a dual purpose. One, it helps alleviate what's going on for the patient. If they don't want that experience, they can close the curtain, right? Two, it also allows my people to realize, hey, I don't need to be goofing off, watching my phone, playing a game on, on the computer. I need to be moving around and checking on my patients at all times. Right. So, um, again, it, I, I call it transparency. Uh, also, you know, it's also bringing that open concept of everybody's trying to get in their houses. But that's what we're trying to do to make it a more friendly, a more comforting environment. Also, we have TVs in every single room. You know, we try to have Home Garden or the Food Network on there for them. You know, if the kids come in and want to watch ESPN, we'll put that on. But uh, again, trying to make it as inviting as possible because we know you don't want to be there. But if we can make it comforting, then we'll know that you'll enjoy the experience and you'll come back again. Absolutely. And it's so you've got, like you said, six locations in five years, right? So within those six locations, how are you able to maintain this level of authenticity with the brand and making sure that every employee you bring in house understands what you're about as patient plus and is able to maintain uphold and even instill that further in all the patients and people that walk through the door you know when we promote to our uh, supervisors when we promote to our administrative staff our clinical manager our director of our director of operations our director of business development you know two of the individuals that came with me uh in in the very beginning came with me uh sally brantley and stephen presley um they're still with me they're now my clinical manager, and now they're, they're my director of business development. Um, one of our earlier hires, Brian Parker, was uh, came in as a provider, and now he has climbed the ropes where he's our director of operations. And they know, in the beginning, our core values we started were respect. It's actually the acronym LETRA, L-E-T-R-A. Leadership, efficiency, teamwork, and respect. Okay? Um we added the A later on for attentiveness. So we've been preaching these core values from day one to our staff. And then with our training, we instill, you know, not only these core values, but some of our non-negotiables. For example, at the front desk, which we talked about already, stand and greet every patient to anticipate their needs. Meaning if they need a bottle of water, get them a bottle of water. If they need to be pulled back right away because they're having an emergency, bring it back. And three, when they leave, greet. Tell them, have a good day and hope you feel better. Right. So it starts in the beginning with them, like I said, with that warm greeting. And they go through the whole experience, go back, be seen by their patients. And when they leave, they're also greeted with some with a warm goodbye. So um, we instill that and then we train our people with our other individuals that have been there the longest. And we get them to follow them. And then hopefully those principles, those core values are instilled into them as well. Yeah, it's like a family group. It's not just a get in, sink or swim, hear the rules. It's no get in, we're going to carry you along, make sure you know what we're about, and make sure we deliver the highest quality patient care we can. Correct. We, we like to call our, our – um, we're a patient plus team, mm-hmm. and we have team members. We don't have employees. So uh, I try to stress that. Uh, you know, always team, 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 team members, no individuals. Um, and the other part to that is – I mentioned the nurse's station, right? 
So the nurse's station is um, in the middle of the clinic, and there's exam rooms on the side, so then everyone's looking at the, the nurse's station. But with that, there's no doctor's office. There's no PA's office. There's no NP's office. They're all sitting together. They sit together all day long. And that way, you can't just go run and hide. You're part of that team. What that also instills is less mistakes, right? You don't just yell out an order and then go back. And then that nurse is intimidated to go disturb you yeah. or that MA is disturbed. Now they can say if they, they're, they're not unsure, they can come back to you and say, hey, Patrick, did you actually order that or did you want this? So less mistakes are made that way as well. Absolutely. So again, part of that whole teamwork concept. It's that, that it falls into that whole open office policy, the whole open door, <clears throat> open concept of, hey, we're all a team. If you have a question, ask a question. Nobody is here to be terrified of one person or another. It's we all have to work together because at the end of the day, we're all treating patients and they all have to walk out of here better than they came in. Correct. You know, so within that, your six locations, when do you know it's right to move on to a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth from that first initial location? Uh, I would tell you that that first year we were uh, we started, you know, mid-city, Bocage, um, and then probably that was a good beginning for us. We still needed to get our feet wet. Uh, when we we felt when there's a couple t- – you know, one, do you have your process in place? Mm-hmm. Do you, when, when, um, do you have your accounting in place? Do you have your billing in place? Um, there are a lot of facets to, to the urgent care world to where do you, do you think it's time to grow? Um, and if, do you have enough patience? Right. Right. Because if you don't have enough patience, then you can't grow. Because if you're just you're just going to sink at that point, so it's it's a several factors in my in my industry where it's um, you know again, do you have enough revenue? Um, how good is your retention of patients, and where can you grow next? Um, so it's it's a it's a multifactorial. I can't tell you one thing that tells me I'm ready to move on to the next spot. It's just. Right. Um, because even now here, I mean, even now we've even made a major switch. Uh, here's what I would tell, you know, entrepreneurs now, don't be afraid to change, right? Um, if you're still doing the same thing, if it's still same status quo, you can't grow as a company. You can't evolve as a company. Uh, recently we, we, um, we have gone through many cycles of billing. I'm just going to give a personal example. Yeah, absolutely. Many cycles of billing. We initially had a billing manager um, that did not work out for us. So we moved on and brought in some people uh, and we, we had the billing. We're doing it in-house still. Um, initially, we were using a major company uh, when we first started, but that didn't work out. So we brought in that billing manager. That didn't work out. We brought in some more staff. That worked out pretty well. Uh, but by the point where we got to five and six clinics, we were getting overrun. <clears throat> I mean, so yeah. we are now outsourcing our billing. I was scared to do that because I, I need that control. I feel like I need to see everything. But in the last two months, I feel like now I have this huge weight off my shoulders. I feel like I've found the right company. And they are making me even evolve even further. Like, hey, you're doing this, but it should probably be done this way. What do you think? 
and I'll think about it and I'm like, okay, we're going to keep, we're going to keep changing and trying. Uh, and everything so far has worked out. Absolutely. But, um, uh, it may not work out in the long run, <laughs> but right now it's working out. But again, it, if you're afraid to change, you're, if you're afraid to evolve, we probably would, we'd be sinking right now with the volume of patients coming in right now. Mm-hmm. There, we would be a month behind on claims. But with, with, that, with that courage to change our billing, um, to outsourcing it, we're now caught up. Yeah. More revenues coming in. We're getting more revenue from outstanding patient statements. So, you know, you know the, the, the take-home message there is don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to evolve, right. even as you're growing your business. Absolutely. And that, that kind of opens like a segue to go into another avenue where businesses maybe feel like they're halted. They don't know it very well. And that is the world of social media, right? The world of social media, whether it be for branding, whether it be for advertising, or just in general, getting your name out there in a new light that people don't know about beforehand. Because social media can be either A, very cheap to run. You can do everything for free yourself and spend hours and hours building up this platform, building up content. Or it can be fairly expensive with getting people on board to actually create these posts, document this, document that. And then with a clinic, it's hard to go in and start taking a bunch of pictures of the inside of the clinic and patients that are there because then you're running a HIPAA and all that other stuff. So it's how do you go about in this world of change and start pushing your brand in a new light? You know, we were uh, we were on that cusp of social media taking over, um, of advertising. So when we started, you know, I mentioned, um, I can't remember if I mentioned, that one of the things at MidCity that we really pushed was Google reviews. Yes. So when, when I was working shifts, um, I would tell the, you know, when the patients would come in, they would like say, hey, thanks for building a clinic in MidCity. We're so happy that someone will come and actually build a, a, a clinic for us out here. And uh, thank you for being, you know, thank you for this service. You did a good job. I say, if you, if you don't mind, if you think we did a good job, please give us a good rate. Go and re- not give us a good rating. Go review us on Google. Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of started our social media campaign. Uh, obviously, there was Facebook. Instagram was just kind of taken off then. So, but mainly at that point, it was Facebook. Um, and at that point, it was fairly inexpensive to do all those kind of ads. But as as time grew, yeah, Facebook has started to get more expensive. <clears throat> right. Um, but pushing those Google reviews um, has helped us in more ways than one. Um, we had a major insurance company that wouldn't give us wouldn't give us a contract. Um, hmm. And what, what what was their reasoning behind? There were too many urgent cares in Baton Rouge already. So after we built the second one, mm-hmm. I went back to them and I was like, "Hey, we have this many reviews already. We've just built our second clinic. You still haven't given us a contract yet." Go check out our reviews versus everybody else's reviews in this town. And at that point, I think we had about 100 reviews and we were about a 4.9. And the competitors were at that time because they weren't really pushing. Their, they were a 2.0, 3.0, When you look at reviews, a bulk of it's going to be the bads. Right. They all want to go in and say, oh, this was terrible, had a very bad experience. I did not feel safe. Right. And they're going to just bash you. It's hard to get those people to leave the positive reviews. And, and you know, we try to push that 
And we push it in the right way, not saying, go give us a five star. Say, hey, if you enjoy the experience or not, go and review us because, you know, I know we're talking about social media, but I will go into this part about our Google reviews. Um, If we get a one star, two star, three star, we try to call that patient. We try to email that patient. And if we can, we'll bring them back into the clinic because we know that will go a lot further than even our five star review. Uh, And because their personal experience, they'll go and talk to Brady or Cody, sorry, Bryant or Cody or Mikkel and say, hey, I had a bad experience, but you know what? They called me. They brought me back in. I explained what was what I thought what I needed or and they were like, well, it's not this. It's because of this. But let's just do an x-ray and make sure to relieve your fears. So we, we love to do that. Also, if they come back and say this person was rude. We'll wait, you know, we'll, we'll take that imp- and, and, and we'll say, okay. And then if another one comes in, another one comes in, we're like, okay, something's up. This person needs to go for retraining. And well, whether it's the front desk, whether it's the MA, whether it's the PA, the MP, or even the doctor, right. we'll bring them back in for training and say, hey, look, these are the reviews. Something's going on. We got to figure this out. Yeah. So again, getting back to the whole social media, um, we push Facebook early on. Um, obviously we were trying to, and the radio, we got on the radio, we were doing ads on radio, but you know, we get on Instagram, Facebook, we're trying to, if not daily posts, at least several times a week, we're posting, we're trying to post what's going on in our clinics. Um, we put, we'll post, uh, who our providers are, who our team members are and just say, Hey, this is so-and-so they like doing this, this, and, and we try to give, um, give an image, give a, a face to our, our, our brand besides just patient plus or besides me or besides Bebo. Um, from Facebook and Instagram, you know, we grew it to the, di- you know, the digital boards, but also the, they call them poster boards. And from there, that's when we grew it to TV commercials. So we have invested very heavily in marketing in branding from day one. And, you know, usually, you know, that either will sink or swim you. If you spend too much and it doesn't work, then you're, you're done. But if, right. you, if, if you can get the right amount of, um, of that branding and marketing for the dollar amount and it, can, it, and it works like it has with Patient Plus, then you can really go pretty far. Yeah, I mean, you're able to see what works, especially with social media and all these digital forms of advertising. You can track everything so well. You can see the numbers, see how it performs. So you know, okay, if I'm spending X dollars, I'm going to get X number of reach. I'm going to get in front of these eyeballs. They might get sick sometime. They'll come see us, you know, or they might just want to have a check-in and they'll come see us. Whereas if you spend on something like print ads or you spend on something like billboards, like, well, 300,000 cars drive in front of it. We're going to say they all see it. And it's like, but can you really quantify those numbers as opposed to your social media advertising, as opposed to your digital push who can say, hey, this is how many people saw it. This is how many people lived within a two square mile radius of one of your clinics. You know, uh, Patrick, that that excellent points. I will say that um, the the marketing director that we had before uh, Morgan Moon, Shirley Munoz, she did, she literally went to every clinic, interviewed a hundred patients and said, Hey, how did you find out about us? And she took all that down. She took the data down. And from there, that's how we shifted our marketing campaign in year three. Okay. All right. We're doing that again this year. 
And, and how, we're, and how's we, it looking so far? So far, we are finding out that um, I don't want to give out some of our, our details, but uh, we are going to spend more of our funds on social media, but also on our, our poster boards, but also on certain radio shows. Gotcha. We found out there's certain shows in this market, radio-wise, that we need to concentrate on. Um, we also are going to concentrate on certain um, TV companies. I'm not going to say TV channels because we thought we had some channels picked out, but we're finding out what kind of channels, what radio stations, what um, where we can concentrate more of our dollars. Absolutely, and that's that's. That's that's the next generation of marketing, right? We just started when we started as a young company. We were just let's throw whatever we can on the wall. Let's see yeah. what sticks, right? Let's, let's plaster it out there. Let's, let's just get in front out. of as many eyes as we can, and then we'll <laughs> see right. what sticks. You know, it's like like boiling pasta. You know, when is it ready? Right. Okay, that stuck. Perfect. Why right. did it stick? Yeah, and, and so in year three, we kind of changed that up a little bit. Okay, let's put more of our dollars here because this is what our customer, I mean, our patients are telling us. But now with year five, we're gonna we're gonna fine tune that even further, and now we, we're gonna we're gonna really pinpoint places where we need to go. So yeah, yeah just growth <clears throat> and maturity with with the, with the business, but also our marketing. Absolutely, and it's all that tangible data that's able to be used and guided. I mean, being able to do one-on-one interviews is huge within your patients because you're able to get in front of somebody who's there. They're physically at your clinic. They're physically at your facility and saying, hey, how'd you hear about us? Why are you here? Great. Perfect. Move on. And it's a simple, quick questions that for a patient or somebody in the business that I'm a customer, it's like, oh, I don't mind answering how I heard about you. But that is so powerful from a marketing standpoint. So you can then do exactly as you said, say, all right, we need to pull money from here and really push it in this area because that's where everybody's at. But here's I would also tell you this, though. We've been very fortunate to where every year we've said we're going to spend this much on marketing. And this is your budget. Mm-hmm. And we don't go pull from it. Okay. In fact, a lot of times they'll come to me and say, hey, or actually, it's actually me. I'll go and say, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, is that got to come out of my budget? I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give you some funds for yeah, that. All right, here's so, a little extra. Just here's a little extra. Put, do this push just to flatter me and see so, if it works. So, you know, that might be another, you know, another tip for that young entrepreneur. Give yourself a, if you can, give yourself a healthy budget for marketing and stick to it. Don't go and pull it if all of a sudden you need some funds. Uh, try to find and pull those funds from somewhere else because you don't want to all of a sudden just pull marketing from radio or TV because there's got to be so many hits a person hears or sees before they'll go and say, I'm going to go try that brand. Right. So, um, especially as the new kid on the block, oh, you know, man. y'all got six clinics. Well, six is like, oh my gosh, it's a lot. It's like, well, when you look at the grand scheme of things it's really not a whole whole lot you're still having to put your name out there you know like you said the color orange it's vibrant it pops it grabs people's attention and it's a matter of getting that new kid on the block the name why to come here and why to come back you know again that's just a great segue into uh, when you get into a new market right we feel like baton rouge people do know us and can know know who we are have maybe been to our clinics but when we went to Prairieville and opened up in November of uh, last year, we felt it felt like one of our other clinics that kind of was slower than the other clinics and took a lot longer to bring back in. And a lot of that had to do with 
We didn't do any advertising beforehand. We didn't put up our sign that you usually say, see like months in advance, like Patient Plus coming soon. We love to put those signs up, especially with Bebo kind of peeking in. We didn't have any of that because it was a new construction. We opened like within six weeks. Right. So it took a while for us to get that out there or get our success out there. But part of that also was once we got our digital board up, you know, our digital sign right by our, on top of our monument, it you could see the uptick in patients. So um, um, when we go to the new markets, whether it's West Baton Rouge or Lafayette or Lake Charles or Denham Springs or Hammond, we know that we need to get advertising ongoing almost three months or six months before. Like, hey, Patient Plus is coming soon so that people can see it, see that, see that logo, see that color. So that when we do open, they're like, oh, this is what we were talking about. So great segue into what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, building that brand. Building the brand, going to the new markets, you know, and always in a new market, there's always going to be some challenges within those new realms, those new spaces. Like you said, you got to get there for three months. You got to get some time to get some faces. What are some of the big challenges you're seeing moving into a new market you're not previously in? Again, name recognition, uh, fighting, fighting fighting what they're used to, fighting to get them to change, right? Um, everyone's comfortable with their doctors. Um, everyone's comfortable with where they want to go, where they want to eat. It's always hard for someone to change, right? Fortunately for our, our business with Urgent Care, um, people are seeking you out, right? They, they need to be seen. Um, and also with Urgent Care, primary care physicians are always full. You can't, you can't call to get an appointment. And if you, they do give you an appointment, like, oh, we'll see you in two weeks. I am sick now. <laughs> I need to be seen now. I need to now. be seen right now. Right. Like, you don't get it. Uh, okay, well, you need to go see this random person. Well, I want to see my doctor. <clears throat> right? So, you know, I think they got to, you know, people got tired of that message and finally were like, I'm going to go to an urgent care. And once that trustworthiness came with urgent cares and that, you know, how many people, how many young people you know now, Patrick, they don't even have a primary care physician. I had they, one, but then he left where I was at. So, and you have that. <laughs> now, right? now I'm stuck. All right. No. So, but you know, they're like, well, I'd rather just go to an urgent care, get get what I need, and get get so I don't have to bother with the appointments and scheduling. Um, but yeah, it, it is always tough to enter a new market uh, just because you have to break those those trends of uh, health consumer trends that they already have. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's one of those things of with any new market is people are creatures of habit. We go where we want to go because we've always gone there. Right. And when you ask somebody, well, why do you, why do you, why do you eat at this restaurant? Oh, it's good. Have you tried this other one? Well, no, I've just always gone to this one and it's good. So you don't know unless you've gone out and explored outside of that market, outside of that one location, if it's really the best, you know, and then yeah. once you're able to get them out of that and really get them thinking, it's like, okay, now we've got a chance Let's give that first impression. Let's blow them out of the water. And let's hopefully we retain, we retain them moving forward. You know, we're, uh, Morgan Moon is our new marketing director, and she's fantastic. Uh, she's the one that's been plugging that in my brain about, you know, the Prairieville, how we kind of started slow. And she wanted to make sure when we open up the new location, which will be, uh, 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 it's on Segan, Segan Lane, which is going to be right across from Ambrosia Bakery. Uh, she's like, I want to. I'm putting up a poster board now and telling people it's coming soon. <clears throat> right. Uh, 
I'm going to go and start pushing Facebook and Instagram saying we're coming. I'm going to put construction photos up. So she wants to get the message out there now. I mean, obviously, we already have our signs with Patient Plus. Actually, it says get in, get better soon because, you know, our slogan is get in, get better. But this one says get in, get better soon. So it has Bebo kind of looking in. Um, So getting that message out early, if you can, before you open up. Well, we'll help out. I, you know, I never get it when I pass a construction site and I'm like, what is this coming here? And all you see is it's some construction coming or the plumbing company advertising yeah. or electrical company. Like, Absolutely. What's coming here? Why wouldn't you? Act? If you, you own the land and you're paying for the construction costs, at least get your brand there. Get your get your sign up saying this is what's coming. Let, yeah. Get people excited. It always, uh, I never understood that, but. Uh, hopefully, I'm not giving away too many too many of my uh, <laughs> uh, my secrets. But if it is, hopefully, it helps that that new entrepreneur. Right? That's right. what I would tell you. It, it these are my, these are some of the things we do to try to make ourselves successful. Yeah, and I love that. And so you've opened six clinics. You've got how many more are you looking to get to within 21 for new we, locations? We want to. We only we already have one we're constructing now. Mm-hmm. I'm about, I want to close on another clinic in the next month, and I'd like to have another one or two um, picked out and the land bought or leased uh, by the end of the year. So gotcha. we're looking to be at 10 by the end of the year, and then 2022 would be 15, and then 2023, 20. That's, that's, a, that's a game gotcha. plan so right fif- now. 15 and a 2023, you said? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's no fifteen by twenty twenty two, and then okay. hopefully twenty by twenty twenty three. Wow, that's a plan. That's some that's some serious growth. Yeah, we're 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 pushing. That's but that that's awesome though. That's exciting to see that you're able to come in here with an urgent care center of all things. You know, that's people would say, oh, they've got him here and they've got him there, but you're able to grow in a new way, in a unique way. That's really interesting within the economy. Right. So and you know the and and we're an independent. Yeah, you know we're we're not attached to some mega conglomerate health medical company, you know, like, like that we have several in this town. So we're an independent, we're, we're the, you know, we're the, we're the David versus Goliath. You know, we're, we're trying to change people's perceptions about urgent care. Um, and we're, we're just trying to do it one clinic at a time. Yeah. I mean, it goes, all goes back to that mentality you had when you were working for one of the big guys, quote unquote, you know, it was that lack of control, that lack of freedom within the clinics, within what you were doing that drove you to this. You know what? I'm just going to go and do my own thing. And that for a lot of entrepreneurs is probably something that's in their head. You know, they're like, I want to do this within the organization. I want to do this within the company. Right. And they're always getting pushed back. They're always getting doors closed saying, no, we're really not going to do that. That's not what we're about. Just do what you're doing. Keep your head down, you know, and in 20 years, you'll do OK. Yeah. You know, I. I you talk about that. Uh, I, I tell you some of the, one of the stories I can tell you is uh, when I was at my nine, my last nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I went to I went to a meeting at, at at the hospital, and they we introduced ourselves, and then I kind of gave a speech about um, who we were, and then after the meeting, several people that were in that hospital in the same city where the urgent care is were like. We never even knew we had an urgent care here. And at that point, I was like, "If we got to get the message out further. you know." And I was like, we could do as simple things as just putting stuff in the elevators at the hospital. Urgent care. These are our times. 
you know, at the bottom of our, you know, those patient handout sheets. Hey, you know, instead of saying these are the hours of all the clinics, why don't you put urgent care open nine to nine, whatever times we had, just get you don't have to spend any money this way. It's not like I'm saying go put billboards up or do commercials. Right. These are simple things that you already have in your to get the word out. So um, it, it was an eye opener. And then there were some other things that decided, you know, um, it's time to move on. But again, I think the biggest push was internal, but also what my dad had done when he was 44. He he built his own hotel. Okay. You know, he designed it and built it because he was also a contractor. So uh, it's um, that that was probably the true motivation besides um, also trying to do it on my own. Yeah. So and going back to the, those your roots that you had within your family, was that, you know, a significant push for you to say, hey, you know, I think this is something I can do because I see my family be successful at it. You know, if if they weren't in place, would you think you have been so strong willed to go and try this thing on your own? Probably not. I think I think it's hard to say. Right. I mean, we, you know, growing up in a, in a business, growing up in an entrepreneurial family, I mean, I mean, my last name is Patel. I mean, Facebook Live, all the people <laughs> on Facebook and Live know Patel's own hotels, right? That's what we, that's what we're doing. Um, you know, I can remember working my first shift at my, you know, my parents' hotel when I was 13, Right. Labor laws are not listening right now. Well, no, it's a family-owned business. <laughs> oh, that's true. Family-owned business. You can, you can, you can work. Kids can work as much as they want. You know, I mean, I stripped rooms, I folded laundry, I cleaned the pool, I cleaned up the parking lot. We did it all. You know, I remember even before the hotel opened, we we stained every baseboard that was lit, that was put into the. I mean, that was sixty room hotel. So you can imagine, wow. as a kid, and I had splinters in my fingers. We did all that stuff. I remember I was talking to a cousin of mine that was staying with us at the time. You know, um, and he remembers Christmases. You know, we wanted to give our employees off for Christmas, so we literally would pack up on weekends or even on Christmas Day and go work for twenty four hours at the hotels to give the employees off for Christmas so they could spend time with their families. I remember that. I, I forgot about that story, but I was talking to him at Christmas time and he'd go, hey, you remember when we used to do this? And I'd go, no, I completely forgot, but thanks for reminding me. But it just shows you how um, that family atmosphere we had. But that was the entrepreneurial that I grew up with. Right. I mean, I remember playing basketball on, on Friday nights at Episcopal. And then, people, you know, my friends were all going out like, can you go out? I'm like, no, I got to I got to go work this shift the next morning. And I would wake up the next morning and go work the seven to three desk clerk shift. Wow. And then that was Saturday. So those are, are the other fond memories I have of being in a business and, you know, making all the decisions yourself. So that's I think that's where the real push was. Yeah, And it's that that family entrepreneurship, that family business. You tend to see a lot more entrepreneurs bred out of that. And so it's, you know, the question I always have is, okay, well, what about those families that may not be within a family business? Mm -hmm. How can you, as raising kids, say, hey, it's okay to do your own thing. You know, you don't have to do this nine to five. You don't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, Mm -hmm. any of that stuff. You can go and do what you want within your own realm. Well, you know, I I think it's what's your passion. Yeah. You know, you got to have a passion for something. If you're just going to go into a business and just to do it, 
then it's probably not going to work out. If you have a passion for cooking, if you have a passion for fashion, if you have a passion for a a bar, you know, whatever your passion is. As we're here at um, Uncle Earl's. um, I think that helps. Absolutely. Because, and if you're motivated, you know, and when, you know, people can say they're motivated, but are you motivated to work 10, 12, 15 hours a day, you know? Um, you know, some of those early shifts at Patient Plus were Saturday, Sunday, working nine and nine by myself, you yeah. know? Uh, we weren't busy, but someone had to do it. And I think that is the unglamorous side of entrepreneurship that kind of gets overlooked. It's when they when they see it, they see you've got six clinics in five yeah. years. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, oh, you're going to have 20 by 2023. It's like you've got this massive growth, this massive explosion. Clearly, everything is going great and it's all, you know, sunshines and rainbows. But in reality, you didn't see, you didn't talk about, you didn't discuss the 12 hour shifts for seven days a week, you know, for months on months that you had to do as a business owner yeah. to make sure everything took off. You know, it, you know, you know, I mentioned that billing story earlier. Right. Um Part of, you know, when I had actually last June in the middle of COVID, I finally I had to make a, a harsh decision and the billing manager wasn't working out. And I knew that we were going to fall behind if I let that person go. Right. But I had to make that hard decision to let that person go. Something positive that came out of that is I engrossed myself in that billing. This gets back into what's the dirty part of doing an entrepreneurship. I actually call it the fun part of, of, of entrepreneurship. I engrossed myself in billing. I learned the ends. I, I learned from A to Z of billing. But part of that was staying up till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at nighttime on weekdays after the kids have been put to bed and trying to do more billing to try to help us catch up. Um, you know, um, you, you work nine to five or whatever shift, you know, I work nine to five, then come home with the kids, hang out with the kids, eat dinner, play with them, and then put them to bed. And then from like 830 to 10 or 11, as far long as I could go, get on the billing. Right. You know, that was, that's year four. Yeah, you know, that's not year for one. Quite, for quite some time now, right? right? Year one was working in the clinics. So it just, it's never ending, you know? So, um, yeah, it's fine and dandy. And yeah, we have six clinics and everything's going great right now, but who knows what happens next year? Exactly. What's going to be the next part where I have to, you know, get down and dirty and work exactly. 12, 13 hours every day. So. And then at the end of the day, it's it's on your shoulders. All on your shoulders. You know, shoulders. It's, it's not just... If you're at your nine to five or you're working for your normal job, quote unquote, you can say, oh, I quit. I'm going to a new place. It's getting bad. You know, it's getting bad. I can see the company going down the hole. I'm out. But as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, you don't have that luxury, especially unless you're six clinics in. You know, you can't just say, all right, guys, I'm done. This was fun. Bye. Yeah. We're not going to do payroll this week. We're out. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm not going to sign your checks. Yeah, we're, <laughs> you, you I'm just taking what's ever left in the bank account. I'm going home. Yeah, exactly. You know, and taking so, my ball and I'm going home. Right. And, you know, within that, just that audacity, that tenacity to keep moving forward, I'm sure you've gathered some lessons, you know, throughout this entrepreneurial journey of yours. What are two or three lessons that you've gathered throughout your process of getting where you are today? Um, uh, you know, I hire people that are smarter than you. That's a fact. Hire <laughs> people that are smarter than you. You know, um, like, you know, I keep mentioning you know, Ellie Thurman or Shirley Munoz or Morgan Moon, much smarter than me in marketing. I have great, I think I have great ideas, right? Hey, I want to do this. 
they're always that sounding more like, okay, let's sounds good. Let's try this first. Um, so one, hire smarter people than you. Two, don't be afraid to work. Be, be ready to grind it out. You know, whether like we're talking about that 10, 12 hour days. Um, Patrick, you were just talking about how, um, which you're recently with accounting out this COVID season, you've been pounding it even in your off season, which is now and you're working 60, 80 hours a week. So don't be afraid to, um, to work even in year four, five, six, seven. Don't feel like you're above anybody. Um, be able be able to get down and, and get dirty. And um, three, I think the other thing was be be able to change, be yes. able to evolve. Because if you if you do the same thing over and over again, your company will be stagnant. It right. can't grow. We uh, we had a interesting that I bring that up because uh, today the word of the day was tweak. Um, we had our um, not twerk, not twerk, <laughs> tweak, tweak. Um, and um, we had our admin meeting today, and there, we made some several decisions that, again, <laughs> we could just stay how we are, but if we want to evolve, if we want to change, if we want to be be try to be be the best surgeon care in Baton Rouge, um, we have to change. Absolutely. Um, and um, so those would be the three lessons I would, you know, I could yeah. give many more, but I right. think those three are, are, are the ones I would uh, focus on. Absolutely. And those, they can be cross applied to any different business. Any number of things that you're doing in life, whether it be working your nine to five, even starting a new company, it's always right. those ideas, those philosophies and those lessons kind of resonate with entrepreneurs and with business owners in general, you know, and so we've got getting close to the end of the show. And so mm -hmm. I've got two more very, very important questions to ask you. Gotcha. One of those is what would you do today that you did as a kid if no one stopped you? I'd play all day long. <laughs> I'd play sports all day. I love it. I mean, that's, if, if, you know, I mean, what I enjoyed in my childhood is backdoor basketball, finding that empty lot and playing football, just, you know, what I, I see this with my kids. They come home, the first thing they're looking for is their iPad. They're trying to find the Xbox. You know, yeah, I had Atari back then, but we got bored with that. <laughs> I mean, we were trying to find our next game. Right. We got, got done with our homework as fast as possible, and we got out and played outside. You know, so um, getting outside, being social, um, um, dreaming, you know, if I could be a kid, I want to. I feel like I'm dreaming now. It was my life. You know, I got three kids. I got a beautiful wife. Um, got these six clinics. Um, um, uh, dream, dreams, and play outside. I love it. Dreams and play outside. I love it. So, what is it that you love about Baton Rouge or the Greater Baton Rouge area? Um, I mean. The, Listen, I, I went, you know, I, I basically born and raised here, even though I was born in Marrero. I did get away uh, in the sense I went to college at Chapel Hill. And I remember when I was in my, when I left to go to Chapel Hill, I went up to my room at my parents' house and said, I would never 
be back in Baton Rouge. Oh, I'd never live in Baton Rouge again. I, I had that that thought in my head. Wow. Like I'm getting out and I'm getting away. <laughs> because back then, kind of like everyone would talk about Louisiana's this and blah, blah, blah. Just all this negativity about Louisiana. Um, it only took me two years at Chapel Hill to realize that Louisiana is pretty great state. You know, and you know what? North Carolina doesn't have a clue about football. So in <laughs> tailgating, their idea of tailgating was maybe a couple of beers and a box of Hardy's chicken. Wow. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I need to get back home as fast as possible once I graduate. And sure enough, you know, uh, not only did I need to get back to Louisiana, eventually, even in med school, I was like, I need to be I want to be back in Baton Rouge. So what do I love about Baton Rouge? Uh, obviously, I talked about football. Absolutely. Uh, I love LSU. Um, even though I'm uh, Carolina blue, uh, I bleed purple and gold. Um, but I love the the family atmosphere of Baton Rouge. You know, everyone calls it a a small big town. Um, uh, but I also love to see how Baton Rouge is. Even though it's it's kind of a a long process that we are evolving. Look at our downtown area. Downtown, when I was, when I, my, my day was dead. It was Tabby's Blues Box. That's it. Wow. It was it. That's all you came downtown for. Now look at, it's, it's thriving, has multiple hotels, has some nightlife, good restaurants. You know, um, one of the things I'm most proud about Patient Plus and is that we have a clinic in Mid-City, which was our first location, when no one would go to Mid-City. In fact, Baton, uh, the Baton Rouge General ER had closed their ER. So we came out to Mid-City and built a clinic. And then our third clinic, fourth clinic, sorry, our fourth clinic was Delmont. And that's at Plank in Hollywood. I like that there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs and bigger companies, if they want to, to invest in North Baton Rouge. There's still that opportunity. There's a lot of growth going on out there. Uh, Patient Plus is, 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 is a prime example. Mid-City Clinic is five years yesterday. Delmont is growing. It's uh, uh, two years, will be three years actually in April. So this, that's what I, I think Baton Rouge needs. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to, you know, it's easy to put, a, put another clinic in, you know, South Downs or another clinic in Bocage or in Prairieville. That's yeah, easy to do. But if you can grow your brand and grow or start a business in North Baton Rouge and make it successful, think how much happier you could be that you've done something for your community. Right? Absolutely. When people are trying to get out of you're actually going <clears throat> in. Yeah. So um, I think that's what I would probably, I'm yeah. ha- most happy about. And I, I see that with more and more guests, you know, we're 64 or 65 episodes into this now. Yeah. And that is a constant answer I see is, Baton Rouge is so much potential. There's so much opportunity here for people to come in, disrupt business, and throw a wrench into things and then become successful. You know, obviously put it in the hours, putting in the hard work, painting the baseboards with your kids, and getting all that hard work in will reap rewards in the long term. So for the final question of the show, what can I do to help you? You keep pushing this. I think I, I, I'm, I'm, when I was looking it up, last couple of days and saw that you had 65 shows or 64 shows. I think this is number 65. Probably you probably, I was, and I looked at the different names and different companies. I was impressed. Keep doing this. 
keep doing this, keep getting the word out about how young, medium age or old individual entrepreneurs are out there. Take a chance, take a risk in life, try it. And you never know if you can be successful. This is what you need to keep doing. Well, I'll keep doing it as long as they let me. That's it. Ruben, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. I had a blast. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That makes me happy. So, and thank y'all for listening or watching wherever it may be. I really appreciate it. I know the guests do. Be sure and check out Patient Plus. If you're in the greater Baton Rouge area, there's probably a location near you or coming soon near you. So keep an eye out, check out their social media and just give them some love. And if you need an urgent care center or maybe you're just not feeling well, go check out Patient Plus. Y'all, this has been the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G, here with Ruben Patel of Patient Plus. Thank y'all. Have a good one. Thank you. Have a good night.